is cold. I know it's cold, but that's the world we live in. If we want to do stuff, if we want to meet together, if we want to be out here, this is the way we're doing it. I don't even think it's that cold. I think we'll be okay. I think we can go way deeper into the winter. Hopefully, we don't have to, but we'll find out it, how, how long we can go as we move through this time. <clears throat> today, uh, today we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture uh, where Jesus calms a storm. Uh, and if you've been coming, if you've been in and out, if you've been going to church, if you've been coming to SM Night since September, you know that we are in a series, year-long series called Fix Our Eyes on Jesus. We've been looking at Jesus as different things, as a healer, as a caller, as a teacher. Uh, and, and in this season of Advent, we are going to be looking at Jesus, uh, his person, kind of like his identity, who he says he is, who he is to us. Um, that's what we're going to be focusing on the next few weeks in Advent. And uh, today, to kick that off, we're going to be looking at a parable in Mark, or sorry, a story in Mark chapter 4, where Jesus calms a storm. And uh, immediately, uh, I was thinking, obviously, about what storms I've been in. You know, whenever you have to give a talk, you're like, ah, like, what's, what's the direct line to a story or whatever? Um, and the first thing that I thought of was uh, on a mission trip to North Carolina, probably like, four or five years ago now at this point. Uh, and we were in the North Carolina trip. For those of you who don't know or never got to go on a North Carolina trip, um, the North Carolina trip was a lot of manual labor. Oftentimes we would be working with, oh yes, yeah, don't, I'll cue the next few. Um, that's the trip from the year I'm talking about. If you can see that, we have very bright green shirts. I obviously picked out the color. So um, the North Carolina trip that year, we were digging septic trenches for this family they're a really sweet family. We got to get to know them very well. They would actually come out and help us dig. They had this really long backyard. I think it's in the next picture, Luke. Really long backyard. So see the line of people. We were digging three trenches uh, through their backyard to, uh, so they could install a new septic system. So basically what we'd do is we'd dig these trenches. And then uh, once they were the correct depth, and, uh, you know, flattened off the side walls. We put these big tubes in, and then they'd hook that up to the septic tank uh, so that the fil- they could filtrate their septic system. It's a little gross. Under the ground, through the yard. But that's how they do septic systems in the mountains in that area. So we were helping to dig three big trenches in their backyard. Uh, and so the way the week was set up, we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the organization we were there with gave us a, br- a day off. And we were supposed to go do anything else that we wanted, free day. Then Thursday, Friday, we finish up digging the trenches. And so we get through Monday. That's probably Monday because there's not very deep, not very deep trenches there in the pictures. You start digging along the line. You just, you're going straight down because they had to be pretty deep, like two feet deep, some uh, long, lar- larger in different spots depending on the grade of the hill. And uh, so we start digging Tuesday. We keep digging. We're making good progress. There's a big team, a lot of people, a lot of shovels. We're, we're taking some dirt. We're getting it out of there. And Tuesday night, on our way back to uh, our, our, um, the place we were staying, it starts raining. But we're like, it's okay. It rains. It might not even be raining here. The mountains, the weather is crazy, whatever. So Wednesday's our day off. We come back Thursday. And the rain had definitely gone there. 
and the, there was some mud at the bottom of the trenches. Some of the dirt on the sides had come back in, but it's like, okay, we can live with this. And so basically the, the, most of the morning was spent clearing out mud and then starting to go from there. So we had to redo a, a little bit. That's okay. Move forward. In the afternoon, it starts absolutely storming, like thunder, lightning, like rain, like that like punches you. It comes down so hard. And they tell us, the people from the organization we're with, oh, you can't go back to the, to the place you're staying until 4, or you can't leave till 3.30. It's like 1.30. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with 70 kids for two hours? You, you tell me I have to leave their house, but we're just going to sit on a bus for two hours. So I'm like, okay, my reaction to this is like, okay, this is what we need to do. We're going to find a mall, and then I'm going to buy people whatever they want at the mall. I was like, that was my response to this. I was like, that was my reaction. So we go, we load up. We probably have like five or six 15-passenger vans. We go to a mall. I'm like, everyone, buddy system. You have to be with a leader uh, in your group. You can go wherever you want for an hour while you give me time to think about what I'm going to buy you, and then we'll meet in the food court. And I end up spending like $300 on cookies, like these like very fancy like cookies or whatever. It might not have been that much. 300 sounds better. I'm, I'm heated in the moment of tell, storytelling, but there's a lot of money on cookies, more money than anyone's ever spent on cookies here, I'm sure. But so it's like, I, that was my reaction to that storm. I was like, okay, we're, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Thursday night, uh, I get woken up at like two in the morning. Um, well, woken up. I was just going to bed at two in the morning and uh, this girl is like, hey, I don't really feel good. I need to go to the hospital. So I'm like, do you really need to go to the hospital or whatever? So anyway, I spend the night in the hospital with this girl. And in the morning, we're still at the hospital. So like the other leaders on the trip help me out. We, they go to the, uh, the last day of the site. It's Friday. It's been a long week. Uh, we've done extra digging at this point because of the, the mudslides back in. But we're like, we can still, we're on pace. We can finish this week. And so I'm at the hospital. And they're, they're, I get a call from Watts. He, he's at the, uh, the site, and he's like, that storm yesterday was a big one, huh? And I was like, yeah, like, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? And uh, he sent me back some pictures, and so we've got inches of water, and what I'm sure was a very flat trench the day before um, uh, filled in. So that's what they got to on Friday morning. All of the work and then some on Thursday had just been undone. I think there's another one, a picture of, uh, I think it's Colby and Jack, uh, yeah, bailing out water, bailing out water from the bottom of the trench. And my reaction was like, okay, how do we fix this? I don't know how to fix this. Like, oh my gosh. And when I got there, we got there around lunchtime from the hospital and to see how the students responded, how they reacted to this situation, to this storm that had come up and undone basically almost like two days' work that they had done on a five-day trip. Um, it was incredible to see. They were, they were working harder than any trip. I've been, I went on a lot of North Carolina mission trips. This was definitely the hardest working group. If you were on a trip and you weren't on this trip, apologies, but you didn't work as hard as this team did right here. Um, they worked, they got all that water cleared. They got every trench to the right depth, everyone lined. They got two full of trenches uh, piped and covered. And then the third one, they got three quarters of the pipe down and covered it. And, and 
we get to, it's 3.30, we're supposed to head back to the place where we're staying, and they're like, no, 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 like, we can finish, we can finish, let's stay a little longer, I'm like, okay, like, you're right, I want to try to finish this too, let's stay, so it's like 3.45, 4, 4.15, the, or, the leader from the organization is screaming at me, like, you need to go back to the housing site. Like, you cannot be here. So finally at 4.30, I, like, ignored her for a while. And then finally at 4.30, I was like, all right, we've been here an extra hour. Like, we've done all we can. You guys are incredible. But, like, that storm, like, it, it's okay. Like, we got pretty much finished. Like, more finished than we should have had any right to get. And I think how they reacted to that situation by, like, no, we will save this. Like, we will fix this. And uh, is a way better example than my reaction of like, I'm going to save this by buying cookies. Like they were like, let's save this by hard work and determination. Like way better example of how to react to a situation popping up. But I think both examples really uh, perpetuate this idea uh, of something that Travis in his sermon on Sunday called the greatest lie humanity has ever told itself. And it's the idea that I can save myself. The idea that you can take on a situation, a storm, any, and how you react to it is I can save myself from this thing. And it might not sound like that exact phrase. It might come across like, oh, I'll just trust my instincts in this scenario. I'll listen to my gut. I'll just be my authentic self here. I'm gonna lean into my strengths in this situation. I'm gonna pull myself up by my bootstraps. If the greatest lie is I can save myself, it's the greatest lie we tell ourselves, then the truth is found in another question, at the end of a question, who can save me? If I can't save myself, if, I, if that's a lie, then the next logical step would be to ask yourself, who can save me then? And in Mark chapter four, the disciples are in the midst of a storm, one far greater than the one that knocked in some dirt on a mission trip in North Carolina. And they come to a realization that they cannot save themselves and find the answer to that question, who can save me? And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you have the, a Bible with you or open up on your phone if you want to follow along. It's a short story, but I think it's a really important one. And as we go through, uh, we'll go a couple verses at a time and, and we'll stop. And then there are a few reactions that the disciples and Jesus have that I think are very important to understanding this. Uh, this passage, and then also as we look deeper at Jesus's identity in this Advent season. So we're going to start Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 37, which I think if you don't have a phone or a Bible, it should pop up on the screen there. Uh, So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So we meet the disciples here. They're on a boat. They're going across. And and there's a great storm. And they're fishermen, right? Like, they've been in boats all their lives. A lot of them, they know what a storm looks like. They know how to react in a storm. And it says that the boat was filling, which means that the boat was filling up faster than they were able to bail water out. If it was a mild storm, if it was a mild uh, leak that they had, they would have been able to stay ahead of it. But the boat was filling up. The waves were breaking up over the boat. 
And this leads us to verse 38, where we'll see our first reaction we're going to look at, which is the disciples' reaction to the storm that they're meeting here in the boat. In verse 38, but he was in the stern, he being Jesus, asleep on the couch, on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So the disciples' reaction to this storm is to ask a question, is to question Jesus, even question what he's doing, right? They ask him, do you not care? They say to him, they say to Jesus, can you imagine waking Jesus up from a nap and saying, don't you care what's happening to us up there? And you'd think that, you know, someone to question what Jesus is doing would be rebuked, but that's not the case. Jesus actually uh, uh, rebukes something else later on, but but right here, he kind of just accepts their questioning of him. And it feels a little bit wrong, right? If you think about us questioning Jesus, questioning what's going on uh, as, as we're approaching a situation that he is he's there for. It feels wrong, but throughout the Bible, people question God. It's actually encouraged. You see it so often that if it wasn't encouraged, it wouldn't happen as often as it does. And we try to, and yet we try to do things ourselves, and yet we think that lie, I can save myself. They asked Jesus if he cares, which is interesting because they didn't ask him to help, right? If Jesus was on a boat that was sinking and there was a great storm and your first question to him, I would, I would think was, Jesus, can you, can you help? Can you, can you stop the storm? Can you get the water out of the boat? Can you like, whoosh, like zoom us out of the storm? Like, well, I don't know what your, the answer there is, but your question surely is, Jesus, help us. That's not what they say. They say, do you not care? And another thing that's interesting here is that they call him teacher, not Lord, not uh, son of God, not master, not any of the like more honoring things. They call him teacher. They know they need a savior, but they do not yet know who can save them. They're not uh, talking to him in his role as, as savior Right? We looked at all the different things that Jesus can be throughout this semester. We've seen Jesus as a teacher, as a healer, uh, as a caller, person calling you to him. But we've looked at Jesus and all these things, and they're talking to him as Jesus the teacher here, not yet seeing that he is Jesus, the son of God, who can save them. So the disciples' reaction to the storm is to question Jesus. Uh, next verse, we'll see Jesus' reaction to the storm Uh, Verse 39, it says, And he awoke, Jesus awakes, and rebukes the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So Jesus' reaction to the storm, he speaks to it. He says, Peace, be still. In the beginning, back in Genesis 1, it says, God spoke and created the world. Right here, Jesus speaks and calms that which was created. The disciples question Jesus. Jesus' response to the storm is to speak. And we'll look deeper at that peace be still in a second. Uh, But for right now, we're going to move on to verse 40 and look at Jesus takes his attention from the storm. And now we're going to see his reaction to the disciples. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Jesus questions them. The first reaction we looked at was them questioning Jesus. Jesus flips it right around. 
asking them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? We have all or will at some point experience a situation where you don't have any answers, where you feel like you're in a boat in the middle of a great storm that is just taking on water and you don't know where else to turn. You will come face to face with the reality that you cannot save yourself. Maybe you've been sick or maybe you know someone who is sick. There's nothing you can do. There's a, maybe there's a destructive habit that you just can't get past. It keeps pulling you back. Maybe you have a relationship in your life that no matter the apologies or the effort that you put in cannot be repaired. Jesus asks the disciples, he asks us, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He calls us to a ruthless honesty that we avoid whenever possible and and often leads us to the place the disciples were at for their last reaction we're gonna look at in the story in the next verse, verse 41 the disciples reacting back to Jesus. Verse 41, And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this? They question Jesus' identity. They don't see who it is that's standing there in front of them or at least don't recognize what it is that he can do for them. Just as the disciples there, we all... Will we will all come or have already come to a realization that we need a savior and we might just as the disciples question the identity of that savior, we might get to that point and then be terrified to take that next step. We see that it's Jesus, but like, are, are you sure? Who then is this? We question Jesus's identity. We've been fixing our eyes, like I said, on Jesus since September And as we enter Advent, get on moving faster and faster towards Christmas, it can be easy, especially this year, especially this year, to get distracted, especially in a year where maybe we welcome a distraction right now. And Advent starts with the acknowledgement that we need a Savior and the honest answer to that question the disciples were asking, who then is this? If the greatest lie humanity tells itself is I can save myself, then the truth of Christmas, the whole thing that Advent is leading towards is that God came down, came here, came near through Jesus Christ to save you, to save me, to save all of us. To save you from a storm even greater than the one in the story, even greater than the one on that trip in North Carolina, the storm of sin, the storm of fear, the storm of death. It was into that storm Jesus enters to save us. And the last thing as we wind down here that I think is really important to know about this story, it's only six verses, but in those six verses, Mark uses the word great or what is translated as great three times, three times in six verses. He calls it a great storm that that hits them. And then when Jesus speaks to the storm, there's a great calm. And then when the disciples see Jesus after he speaks to the great storm and creates a great calm. They are filled with a great fear. And that word uh, is in uh, Greek is mega. There's a mega storm, a mega calm, a mega fear. And thinking about where they were at at that point, right? Like they, it says right there in verse 36, I think. Oh, I am in Matthew. The wind has turned it. It says, uh, in verse 
37, and a great windstorm arose, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and they woke him up saying, do you not care, right? Like, they are afraid of the storm. They wake him up. They're like, Jesus, what's going on here? Like, do you not care what's happening to us? They are afraid, but it's just fear. It's not described as a great fear. It's not a mega fear, the kind of fear they have when they get to the, po- the part of, of uh, thinking about surrendering to the power that just turned that mega storm into a mega calm. What would that do to them? What will that do to us when we get to that point? What are we going to think when we get to that place where we need to make that decision? Are we going to have this mega fear? Or are we going to step into and lean into the reality that we need a savior and realize that Jesus is that savior? If you're at that point, if you've been there, if you're thinking about it, if you're just listening, that's totally fine. The challenge of this story is this. It's to listen, right? In that last verse, verse 41, it says, the winds and the sea obeyed him. They obeyed Jesus. And that word that we read as obey could be translated as listen as well. The wind and the sea listen to Jesus. And as the second reaction we looked at, Jesus responds to the storm in this story, the storms in our lives. He speaks to them, right? He says, peace, be still. Jesus is the Savior who comes to calm the biggest storm of sin, of fear, of death in your life. And his reaction to that storm will be to speak. And our reaction to Jesus in that moment needs to be to listen. So we're going to talk about this story tonight some more in small groups. Uh, I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we can break out, go where we need to go. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Uh, thank you for everyone here under this tent who, who knows how much you love them, how much it cost for you to step into the storms that we face in our lives, to put yourself between death, between sin, between fear, and just to save us. God, you are, you are incredible. And my hope here tonight is that as we head out, as we discuss in small groups, as we not just leave this information we've learned about you here under this tent, we're out in our circles in the parking lots, but we take that with us. We continue to listen for you as you speak into the storms in our lives. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, and all God's people said, amen. <laughs>